It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What a happy day. How nice is this? The Memphis Grizzlies get recognized in a positive way. Yay! We don't get this very often. It's been very negative around these parts recently. People pointing at the Grizzlies saying, you're no good. Dylan Brooks stinks. Why does he talk so much? He needs to shut up. Well, today, Dylan Brooks, you have your day, sir, because you are a member of the all-NBA defensive team. Jaron Jackson Jr. is on there as well. We're going to talk about that and more on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a wonderful Wednesday here on Locked On Grizzlies. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you may be listening, however you get your podcasts. If you're checking us out on YouTube, it is much appreciated. I am Joe Mullinax, one of your hosts, joined by my co-host, Michael Cole. This is Locked On Grizzlies. Again, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. It's all good when you're checking out Locked On Grizzlies. This episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LockedOnNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I am joined, as I mentioned, by DeMichael Cole, the commercial appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for that publication. I am the interim Grizzlies content editor. I, I feel like I'm going to say the title wrong every time I do it. I'm running the Grizzly stuff for Bluff City Media now because Parker Fleming stepped down. That's basically the end of that. Um, it's an interim title. Hopefully somebody gets uh, gets that gig from me so I can you know go back to my Grizzlies columnist job. But anyway, between DeMichael and I, lots of time covering these Grizzlies. You've come to the right place if you're looking for Memphis Grizzlies content. And, uh, you know, DeMichael, you you look nice today. I can't tell. Is that a white hoodie or a gray it's a, hoodie? It's a light gray. So it's, A it's light gray? Of, yeah. So we're not quite the white yeah. shirt. Not quite buddies, white. Or white yeah. We're not the white shirt. We're buddies. not the white shirt buddies today. Um, okay, that's all right. We're close. We're we're the uh the light colored friends. There we go. There uh, we the go. Light, light colored shirt friends. Um I think that DeMichael, uh we should all be wearing Dylan Brooks jerseys today because Dylan Brooks is getting a little bit of redemption, but we'll talk about Dylan later on in the show, maybe preview what's to come for John Morant today. Uh, on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. But we're going to lead off with the guy who was the home run pick in terms of you win defensive player of the year, chances are you're going to be first team all defense. I know you talked about your votes uh, for the awards this past Monday on our Monday edition of Lockdown Grizzlies. So I think both of us can agree that we're not really surprised that Jaron was selected first team all defense. I thought maybe we could focus on the historic aspect uh, he's the first one since Tony Allen, I believe, to have multiple first-team all-defensive selections, of course. 
Everybody knows T.A.'s legacy. If you pay attention to the Memphis Grizzlies the last decade, you know the legacy of Tony Allen defensively in Memphis. Uh, But beyond that, the reality of this guy being 23 years old, being this good on this end of the floor, the historic perspective of what Jaron Jackson Jr., because most folks would agree – your prime is around 26, 27 years old, yeah. right? Physically. Statistically speaking, yeah. Right. He's three years away from that. He'll turn 24 soon, I know. He's a few years away from that happening. What is, you know, a great piece was written over at Bluff City Media by one of our writers, Andrew Katz, I believe it was. You know, the, the ceiling is unknown for Jaron Jackson Jr. Do you agree with that sentiment? Is this just a, a more of a reinforcement of the fact that we have no idea how good Jaron Jackson Jr. can be? Yeah. Yeah, we don't at this point. And, uh, I mean, I think I have an idea. You know, we talk about it with seven seven free throw attempts per game, 23, 24 points per game. Uh, that's an idea. If he gets there, it's completely up to him. You know, I'm thinking about a guy like Dylan Brooks who's constantly been in his ears over the years uh, demanding dominance from him right it sounds like dylan you know we won't hover on that too much on this episode this is a celebration (laughs) of dylan episode but yeah we're celebrating here sounds like you know he he won't be able to be that guy going forward and and you know we've talked about some guys who can be that you know desmond bain john moran etc but jaren's gonna have to be that guy for himself and i think he he's starting to realize how dominant he can be and we're gonna see uh more of that as well Uh, so i agree with you uh, on uh, kind of that uh, swing of things, but uh, not to really switch the tone here, but I was thinking about this too, Joe. Uh, Jaron was historically dominant, missed the first 14 games of the season, right? And came back. The Grizzlies were 17th in defensive efficiency uh, when he returned. They finished second in the NBA in defensive efficiency uh, after the return of Jaron Jackson Jr. Quite. Quite frankly, he was dominant last season when he was first team all defense and finished, I think, fifth in the defensive player of the year voting. This year, stepped it up a notch. By the way, I think looking at the voting, he got 96. Uh, so I think he missed out on, on two of the ballots. Uh, I think a couple had him second. Almost team a unanimous selection. Yeah, yeah, almost a unanimous selection, but the highest. But here's my point. He played 63 games this season. Do you know that if this was next season – he wouldn't even have qualified for this award. Look how dominant, look how much he meant to the Grizzlies. We've already talked about the fact that we're going to really dive into the new CBA and we're going to do a whole episode kind of centered around that. But I couldn't help but think about that because this puts in perspective how off those changes could be because the Grizzlies, as I just said, 17th in defensive efficiency before Mm -hmm. this guy played a game this season, finished the season uh, second, and not only that, he missed the first 14 games. After that, he missed a couple back to backs, missed the game at the end of the season. He was pretty much healthy. He finished the season playing, I think, 64 of the last 68 games, something like that. Uh, so quite frankly, anyways, uh, 63 of the last 60, I think it was, but dominant season from Jaron Jackson Jr., incredible defender. It, it was a a joy to watch him guard on the ball, guard off the ball, get blocks in so many different directions. I joke a lot about how you look at guys' uh, spray charts with the blocks. Mm-hmm. If you look at Brooke Lopez, all the blocks come in like a 
you know, pretty much in the same area, pretty much. If you look at Rudy Gobert, for the most part, a lot of his blocks come in the same area. But if you look at Jaren's, his spray chart is a little bit wider, you know, uh, in his career because we see him get out on the perimeter. We see him be in all these different positions to get his blocks. And I think that's a testament to how uh, just how multiple he is and the variety of ways you can use him. We talk about Brooke Lopez being pre- pretty much a, jo- a drop coverage guy uh, and, and, and that type of defender. But Jaron, you can play him in any type of way. But I couldn't. I had to. I had to slide that into the episode. Sixty-three games played this season. Sixty-five is going to be the new standard. And it is. I don't really. I'm not really feeling that whole rule change now that I see it come into play with the defensive player of the year and the first team all defense member because we're not even talking about this if it's next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if a hot dog was a hamburger, it would be a circle <laughs> instead of a tube. All right. I think that I saw, I think it was uh, Bobby Marks tweeted that out as well. The idea of Jaron wouldn't have been eligible for selection because he only played 63 games. You can't apply, and I know you're not. I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. that's next season, right? And I do think, and again, we have a long all season ahead of us. I think we can spend an episode a way that the, the team can change their perspective would be to play these guys more, right? You know, they, they play so little, and then you know there's questions about Jaron's foul trouble, when in reality they just legitimately only played him 30 minutes a game. It was like yeah. that was their focus. That was the team, um, yeah. So, again, the medical team, maybe that's a little bit different, but we can talk more about that. Uh, for me, the big thing coming out of this uh, before we head into break is, you know, not necessarily destiny because he still has a long ways to go, but potential mm. fulfilled, right? Because even back in 2018, when I was there at FedEx Forum and the pick, the pick was booed because it was, yeah, booed. I remember, Jared was, was there. not u- universally beloved at that time, even from people like me who were not super excited about the pick. I knew that Jaron had the potential to be elite defensively. That was never the question, right? That was one of the things. They sold Jaron on a continuation of grit and grind because if you remember, his buddy in that draft class was Javon Carter, right? So it was supposed to be a return of grit and grind with Jaron and and Javon Carter. Obviously, one half of that worked out pretty well. Uh, Javon Carter had a pretty good year this past year. Might get a little money in free agency, but I digress. Uh, you know, Jaron's defensive acumen was always something that was hyped up. That was the main thing early on to be excited about with him as such a young prospect. Two-time first-team all-defensive team, reigning defensive player of the year. I think it's safe to say his potential has been reached. But again, one of the amazing things is, can he get better? He's 23 years old. It's hard to say that he's peaked. So what the next level is for him, I'm sure we can talk about on a future episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. But coming up next on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, if you thought I've been insufferable before, guess what? I am going to give Dylan Brooks all the flowers, and it's going to be beautiful. Because you know what? He deserves it. Sorry, Jaden McDaniels. You don't play guard. Dylan Brooks does. We're going to talk about that and more next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is wonderful because they they are there for you when you're in a rush trying to buy tickets. It won't lead to you feeling stressed out. You can find them really easily using the game time app buying tickets for all sports music all sorts of different events with amazing deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee you can use the game time app to find images of seat views so you know exactly what you're getting yourself into at a venue 
slash deals on last minute tickets. And again, the lowest price guarantee, they will at game time give you 110% credit of the difference if you find tickets in the same section and row of an event for less than the game time guaranteed price. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're talking Dylan Brooks, second team. Second team, all NBA defense next here on Locked on Grizzlies. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Mullinax of Bluff City Media. That's probably the easiest way to do this moving forward. Just say I'm of Bluff City Media. I also write for SB Nation. Um, You can check out my work and everything that I do at Joe Mullinax. The Twitter feed is a great way to find it. To Michael Cole, my wonderful co-host of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. He is the Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for that publication. Follow him at DeMichael C. if you don't already do so. Uh, He will continue the great work that he does all season long. And like I've started to say recently, between he and I and Locked On Grizzlies, we got you covered as your first listen each and every day here on Locked On Grizzlies. DeMichael, we knew Jaron was going to be first team. Dylan, I was fairly confident on, and I'm, I think you had talked about you were kind of confident as well in your own voting experience, but that was certainly less of a guarantee, right? And one of the interesting things about Dylan is we talked about the CBA earlier. There's going to be a move away from positions for the all defensive team next year, and that will be interesting in and of itself. But this year, there were positions, and this year, Dylan Brooks was qualified as a guard. And I think it's probably safe to say that's the reason why Dylan Brooks, even though he is a very good perimeter defender and people are letting what happened with the Lakers series cloud their judgment, we're talking regular season awards. And if you watch the Memphis Grizzlies over the course of the regular season and you weren't impressed with Dylan Brooks as a defender, you weren't watching the games. Yeah, he deserved it. I mean – this was his best defensive season as a NBA player. And Which is has, good. It was his worst offensive season. <laughs> yeah, he had, he, it had to be his best defensive season. Uh-huh. Cancels I mean, it out. Yeah, but, I mean, Shea Gilson's Alexander, I remember it was November, came into uh, that game against the Grizzlies probably 30, 30 points or more, six or so games in a row, held mm-hmm. him to like 19 points, and he, he just was all over him. Uh, Zion Williamson, we talked about it time and time again, was – probably one of the most unstoppable players in the NBA over those first two and a half months of the season. Dylan Brooks uh, gave him two of his worst games of the season. One of them, he had his highest turnovers, and the other one, he just wasn't effective. I mean, he missed a lot of shots. He was he was in, in both for Grizzlies wins. Uh, Laurie Marketing, he also matched up against. After uh, Laurie Marketing had given uh, Santi Aldama some trouble early in the season, you know, when Jaron Jackson Jr. was out, and they got Jared back, and he matched up against Laurie Marketing. Now, we know about all the guards he matches up against. Right. 
but I wanted to highlight some of those other, you know, matchups just to show his versatility stood out, his physicality, his ability to bang, you know, with Pascal Siakam, who was the reigning Eastern Conference player of the week when, when Dylan Brooks held him to, I think, around 24, 25 points, which was, I mean, a big Low deal for him at that time. Yeah. yeah. At that time, he was probably the hottest player in the NBA. So, I mean, he, he deserved this without a doubt. And we talked about Jaren's greatness, right? What Jaren has talked a lot about is how the way Dylan plays has kind of allowed him to be great in some of those ways. And, and I said this, and I wrote this earlier as well in my story, it's not to say that, oh, without, without Dylan, Jaren wouldn't be a great defender because guess what? His first team all defense last season and right. Dylan missed, you know, more than a third of the season. But the point is having Dylan on the floor, you know, maybe if, if, if Dylan isn't playing, Jaren is guarding Zion more. And, and there could be, you know, some foul trouble and things that pop up of that nature. If 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 Jaron has to guard Laurie Markinen, now you're bringing him away from the basket much more. And in situations like that, but having Dylan Brooks allows you to, okay, if you're playing the Lakers and LeBron James uh, next season, maybe that's more of a matchup that's going to be for Jaron Jackson Jr. While that, uh, that other guard has to guard Jared Vanderbilt or something like that. Basically, Dylan Brooks kind of allowed the Grizzlies to kind of do some of those things uh, to put Jaron Jackson Jr. in place to be uh, the best defensive player. I mean, the defensive player of the year, you know, from this past season. So I wanted to give him his flowers on that end, too. But here's another thing that I've thought about uh, as well, Joe. What, now that he has this on his resume, you you remember when, when Draymond Green was throwing shots at him mm-hmm. and he basically was saying, oh, you, he has nothing on his resume, right? Now you look at Dylan Brooks' resume, there's an all-defensive team on there, and it's right before he hits free agency. That mm. holds weight, not only as an agent, but front offices will see that. And even if he isn't coming back to Memphis, there is an opportunity. There's more of an opportunity now where the Grizzlies could potentially – kind of reignite the flame there, getting a, a possible sign and trade done where teams will really value getting Dylan Brooks as a piece. Remember, it was only a week ago when when uh, Sham Sharania's re- report came out and we saw the words, under any circumstances, Dylan Brooks right. wouldn't return. And it made it look like, oh, man, if, if the Grizzlies think it's that bad, we don't want to do anything with them. But I tell you what, other front offices – other agents, all these people are going to take note. This guy was voted as one of the top four defensive guards in the NBA. Uh, the Grizzlies have an opportunity to potentially get something done, Joe. I would say that it matters more in terms of smoke screening. And I'll explain yeah. what I mean by that. I, I get that. The, 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 the front office of these NBA teams, everybody is paid very well to know exactly who Dylan Brooks is, right? Dylan Brooks runs his mouth too much. Dylan Brooks <laughs> does things terribly on the offensive end, at least this past season he did. You know, there are flaws to Dylan Brooks, but to NBA front office scouts, coaches, Dylan Brooks being one of the best defensive players in the NBA is not surprising. Yeah. But as you know, DeMichael, and I know a little bit as well, perception is reality. And right now, the reality of Dylan Brooks is he sucks because that's what the perception of him is. So if you, as a fan of the Portland Trailblazers, maybe actually that's not because of the Oregon connection. That wouldn't be a good comp. 
Say you're a fan of the Miami Heat. That might be okay. a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Say you're a fan of the Miami Heat and Memphis negotiates a sign and trade. I don't I haven't worked one out with the Miami Heat, so I don't know what would fit. Yeah, we're just maybe talking. Duncan Robinson or someone like that. Something like that. Um again, I'm not saying I would do that. I'm giving you a hypothetical. Say that occurs and now Dylan Brooks is a member of the Miami Heat. And fans are, oh, my God, this guy sucks. Isn't this the dude that talked all that trash to LeBron and called him old? The front office can have a press conference and say, here is an all-NBA defensive team player. Here's a guy who can pick up, and next to Jimmy Butler is going to be a monster on that end of the floor. You got Bam Adebayo on the back end. We just created the league's best defensive team by acquiring Dylan Brooks. And here's the evidence, the resume, that backs it up. So I think that impact makes a sign and trade more likely because Miami's not going to be able to sign him with cap space, right? A team like Houston could, Detroit, you know, Indiana might have some cap space. You know, there's teams that are going to be able to say, oh, yeah, we just want Dylan Brooks and we'll sign him for X amount of dollars. The net gets wider when a sign and trade is possible because now you can send him to Toronto. Now you can send him to Portland. Now you can send him to Miami and other different spots. And again, it becomes more palatable for a front office to sell a fan base on an acquisition that is going to be controversial when it happens. No matter what team he goes to, it is going to be a, wait a second, isn't that the guy from the Grizzlies-Lakers series that poked the bear? You know, that's going to be the story that follows Dylan until it doesn't. And for that perception to change, he has to go and improve as an offensive player and continue to build upon his defensive ability. The good news is for Dylan, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a great defender because so much of what makes Dylan great, his physicality, his frame, his tenacity, the way he mentally prepares, that travels, man. And that's something that, you know, as he gets older, he might lose half a step or a step. That's not going to matter as much, except for maybe you move him to a small ball four kind of situation a little bit more consistently because he's still going to have all those things that made him great in the first place. So kudos to you, Dylan Brooks. I know you've got some flack over the last few weeks. Enjoy this moment. You deserve it. Well-deserved national recognition for the defensive acumen and season of Dylan Brooks. When we come back here on Locked On Grizzlies, we're going to preview the All-NBA announcement later today. I know DeMichael did a great job talking about his voting, his logic, where John Morant stacks among the other guards in the NBA. I didn't get a chance to give my perspective. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and we'll take a look at a preview of what I think is going to be a disappointing Wednesday in the John Morant household. We'll talk about that next here on Locked On Grizzlies. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies, finishing up this Wednesday edition of the podcast. I'm Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media and SB Nation. One of your hosts, joined by my wonderful co-host, Michael Cole, of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, covering the Memphis Grizzlies for that publication. We appreciate all of you that are joining us on this episode each and every day and every day or hopefully is what I can call you of the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. DeMichael, 
I know that you had a, a, a pretty strong Monday show. I listened to it. It was great. But if you could just refresh my memory, a, a, a brief summary, because, again, we talked about Jaron. We talked about Dylan. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. They're on the team. The all-NBA guard list is pretty stacked, and that was even before John Morant had his suspension. So stacked that think about names like Jalen Brunson, mm. Kyrie Irving, Mm. James Harden and what he's doing in the playoffs mm. with the Sixers right now. These are guys who are pretty much long shots to make all NBA this season. Jalen Brunson, what he's done in New York. Kyrie, amid all the off-the-court things, he was terrific and efficient this season with the Nets for the most part, but he kind of held his own as well uh, with the Mavs. And then James Harden, I mean, mm-hmm. what the, the assist leader this season uh, and a terrific score in his own right. And each of those guys didn't sniff my ballot. And and they're they're long shots overall. But you made a great point when you kind of teased it uh, yesterday when you are talking about the guards in the situation. That's kind of what I touched on on Monday a little bit, basically saying, if you look at it, there's six guard spots. And here's the tricky one as well. Uh, I, I Again, I had a ballot, so I, I can pretty much name some of the players who are listed at guards who you would probably consider forwards. Some people – because you got names like LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, who are kind of on the brink of being potential second team, third team forwards. Some people will say, hey, Jalen Brown, is he wouldn't be higher on the forwards list than those guys. And Jalen Brown could potentially steal a guard spot. And, and, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's tough. So basically what I what I brought it down to, Joe, and it would be interesting to hear, how how would you come to a decision on this? Right. Because for me, I circumstance is a is matters, but it's not the I, I don't I don't con, I consider circumstance more than result. For example, Damian Lillard, the team around him wasn't built to win. This yeah, was something. still his most efficient season. He was I mean we saw it firsthand. You know Dylan Brooks was talking about guys giving him forty. Damian Lillard did it. So Damian Lillard was on mine. Second team, by the way, Shea Gilders Alexander. Yes, Oklahoma City wasn't supposed to, you know, win games this season and all that. But, I mean, he led that team to a play-in. And quite frankly, he was just hard to stop for anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were terrific at home against some of the best teams in the NBA. So I factored all of that in as well as his, you know, his terrific, you know, uh, defensive side, being terrific on defense as well. What about Luka? Yes, uh, the Mavs fell off second half of the season. But, again, circumstance if you go back to the first half of the season the Mavs are in the playoffs if they don't right. make that trade and you still have Dorian Finney Smith Spencer Dinwiddie and Lucas got the ball more in his hands and it's not this whole uh getting readjusted to playing with uh Kyrie thing the Mavs are more than likely in the playoffs at that point and then Luca was terrific up to that point of the season and he was good enough the rest of the season to still be considered all NBA in my opinion so with all those guys on my list I think a lot of people respect what De'Aaron Fox did. That's five. That's five guards for me. Because, again, some people say, oh, Damian Lillard didn't win enough this year. That's bullcrap to me. That's bullcrap to me because he can't control that Shaden Sharp is starting games beside him. He can't control that. He can't control Anthony Simons getting hurt. But what he can control is getting out there and getting buckets. So with all that being said, some tough decisions were made. I had John 13. Joe, it doesn't sound like you think he's got a chance this year. No, I don't have jaw 13. This is this is what my team would look like. 
Okay? okay. And I'll start, I'll start from the bottom where Jaw would be most likely to be. Because again, even if Jaw was able to play those eight games and prove his numbers, he's he's a third team guard given a lot of the reasons that you just outlined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my third team is Damian Lillard, who yeah. had an amazing season, and I agree. 32 points a game on average. A guy that's known for being an amazing scorer has his best season ever. It's kind of hard to not have him on the team. I, I think I don't correct me if I'm wrong. You might have left Donovan Mitchell. That was it was tough. Donovan I, Mitchell I, was a guy I did that I would have third team. And I get because, it because again, a career season for mm-hmm. a really good Cleveland team that led the NBA in all the different categories in terms of efficiency and that sort of thing. You know, the analytics loved Cleveland. Obviously, it didn't result in a playoff win. But (laughs) I I think Donovan Mitchell deserves recognition. He'd be third team for me. Second team would be De'Aaron Fox, you know, the clutch player of the year and all the amazing things that he did. But you could easily make an argument for Lillard or Mitchell, in my opinion, in front of Fox for for, uh, the two excuse me, the fourth spot as a guard, to me, the top three are very obvious. It's Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, and SGA, Gilgis Alexander there in Oklahoma City. Those are the three best guards in the NBA this past season. And that's not even including Devin Booker. Yeah, someone's going to throw him on there. Right. There's going to be people that vote for him. Again, it's a regular season award. It doesn't take into account the brilliance that he's having in the postseason. But – you bring up Jalen Brown and Jimmy Butler, two guys who should be in that second or third team mix at forward because Jason Tatum and Giannis will almost certainly be the two forwards on the first team. Uh, LeBron's in that conversation. Lowry Markinen probably needs to be in the forward conversation. So until you go positionless, I don't know if we're looking at guards. I am perfectly fine was saying that Lillard, Fox, Mitchell, Doncic, Curry, and SGA are your six because Ja missed out on opportunity to improve his numbers, to build his stats. And we talked about with Dylan Brooks, whether it's fair or unfair. Perception is reality. And right now, Ja Morant, even though the Ja Morant, again, in the public eye, I don't think Ja's hurting as much as others think he is. The jaw ones are still flying off the shelves, folks. Yeah, there ain't people saying, "Oh, you know what? I remember the terrible article about him. I'm not going to purchase these shoes for my child." No, they're you can't get them. They go live and then it's poof, they're gone. <laughs> right. So I, I think that that's being overblown, perhaps not surprisingly, but in terms of the ability to produce to put up numbers, there are too many guys that logically, even if Jaw had played. I think Morant makes it if he doesn't get suspended. Mm. But if somebody were to say, I'm putting Mitchell or I'm putting Lillard or I'm putting Fox in front of Jaw, it's not insane. It's just not because that's how loaded the guard position is the in the NBA right now. So if he hadn't have gotten suspended, does he probably get in based off of his name and the fact he was there last year and the fact that he did have a really good season? Yeah, I think he does. The opening is now there for someone like a Mitchell, a Fox, a Lillard to get that recognition, and Jaw kind of falls backwards, and it's a it's a forty million dollar blunder essentially uh, as he misses out on the supermax uh, clause kicking in in his extension. Yeah, and I'll add this because uh, when I was making my ballot, it, it was tough because there at, there were points where I wanted to leave 
I turned mine in on the last possible day because I wanted to see as much of Ja, Donovan Mitchell, uh, De'Aaron Fox, just the guards. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was really tough. And what it came down to me is, again, circumstance uh, that guys control is, is, is all that I have, I have to factor in. I think too, too many times we say, oh, this guy, like with Jaron, for example, not us, we don't, but other people. Right. Oh, Jaron's only playing 28 minutes per game. Well, the coaches, <laughs> uh, the actual whole team, you know, plays their starters as a whole play less right. than other starters. And which brings me back to my point with Ja. I was looking at Ja and Donovan Mitchell really close. Uh, Donovan Mitchell played four more minutes per game than Ja. I think it was around 31.9 for Ja. Yeah. And it was like 35.8 uh, for Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell averaged around 28 points. Uh, ja was at about 26. So it was like a two-point gap with a four-minute gap as well. So just looking at those little small things, uh, Ja did take a step up as a passer this season. Uh, he he was much more you know effective in that part of the game, I think, uh, had a career playmaking season. But here was the one thing that stood out to me. We spent a lot of time last season saying, oh, the Grizzlies were 16-2 and two at one point without Ja, 17-2. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? This season, 41-20. and 20. When Ja played, eleven and ten in the regular season when he did. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I think that that's a, a wonderful uh, note to end on. Again, when you're judging the Grizzlies with other players, you have to take into account per thirty six per one hundred possession. They just don't play as many minutes as these other guys do, and until that changes, and maybe it never changes, but until that changes. You can't compare them the same. And like you said, you don't want to punish them for something that they don't have any control over. Yeah. I do think, and obviously the waters get muddy here. Morant did have control over what oh, led yeah. to him missing that oh, stretch yeah. of games. So again, he opens up the possibility of saying, I'm going to put, if it's close between Donovan Mitchell and John Morant, one guy had a very tumultuous season that was admittedly, self-admittedly, mm-hmm. a distraction to his team, and the other guy was, you know, the catalyst for making the Cleveland Cavaliers a title contender in the eyes of many throughout the season. So yep. I think that that is important to point out. And this is locked on Grizzlies. Don't get me wrong. If John Morant's but it's fair. The third You're team fair. All NBA, yeah. great. That'd be fantastic. But we got to be unbiased where we can be. Uh, and I think this is just going to be a situation where there's a lot of good guards in the NBA. One of those really good guards made some poor choices and allowed for openings for other really good guards to take advantage of, at least when it comes to this particular measure of NBA success. There's plenty of others. And I know John Morant, to his credit, has said the one that he cares about moving forward is an NBA championship. And that pursuit yeah. carries on even as the offseason grinds forth for the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday. However, you're taking in the podcast, wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, like comment, rate, review, subscribe, and shout out to the everydayers. Those of you that are with us each and every day here on locked on Grizzlies to Michael appreciates it. I know I appreciate it. It's all well and good. And our Thursday episode to Michael basically writes itself much like today's show did. All NBA selections. Did John Morant make it? Did he not make it? What does he need to do next year to make it? There's all sorts of different angles that we can take. Does Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, 
does he kind of find a way to make a leap into all NBA candidacy? Because the third, and I know positionless stuff is coming, but the third team center is probably going to be DeMontis Sabonis, who deserves it. Don't get me wrong. But if you count Jaron as a center, Anthony mm. Davis, of course, will be in that mix. And we saw Anthony Davis's greatness in the Lakers series. Jaron may not be that far behind in terms of all NBA selection uh, if he's able to continue to make leaps. So well, I look forward to our all NBA edition of the show on Thursday. Yeah, me too, Barna. Me too. Uh, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I just want to see the votes. I just want to see the votes. Uh, mm. I, I think with the defensive votes, if if any of you saw them, it was pretty. It was pretty easy. Yeah, uh, for the most part. I know Giannis and, and Jaden McDaniels were left were left off, and they were, you know, pretty good candidates. But outside of that, the guys who got votes got a lot of votes. I mean, first team was almost. I mean, it was without a doubt yeah. for the most part uh, with the first team all defense. I mean, all the way from Drew Holiday, Caruso, Evan Mobley, Jaron, and Brooke Lopez. I mean, I didn't have to think hard on it. It seems like that was the case for a lot of the voters. But I tell you what. All NBA is going to be all over the place. Yeah. I mean, some people may have Damian Lillard first team. Some people may have him completely off. Some people may have Luca first team. Some people may have him third team. I mean, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be fascinating. And we'll do all of that deep diving into the numbers for you on our next episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. For my wonderful partner, DeMichael Cole, I am Joe Molinax. Until next time, stay locked in. This is Lockdown Grizzlies. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.